Tumelang Mzanzi, Lulu Ngakani here, and I am the head of news at Healthful Mzanzi, where we unpack the complex but cohesive relationship between our health and food. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister, Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulz, and to our listeners, welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthful Mzanzi where you don't ever have to suffer in silence with those medical shames ever again. We are your sisters in shame, Mzanzi. And every week, we will hold your hand as we unpack those ever so embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. This podcast is a safe space and a judgment-free zone, babes. So if you are having sleepless nights from terrifying stomach groans, or even if you are struggling with some funky breath, no problem, child. You have tuned into the right podcast. Hello, hello, Summer. This week, I think I'm just overcome with absolute joy that we are headed for the last months of 2021. Child, this year has been rough. <laughs> Girl, tell me about it. I just want peace and vibes. You know what, Sine? I think when push comes to shove, I will always choose the soft option. Because Adele has mandated to the world to take it easy. But we have some friend in crisis who still need us, Lulu. Now remember, each week, a health home Zanzi reader sends us an SOS through our direct line or our inbox. These messages are treated with absolute confidentiality, and we will never mention your name. Who is our friend this week, Sine? This week, we have an email from Port Alfred. She writes, Hi, Sisters Without Shame. I was 30 weeks pregnant at work when I started experiencing contractions. My colleagues called an ambulance, and I had to be shuffled to a labor and delivery. It turns out I was having pains due to constipation, one of those moments where you put your palm on your face. I've been very stressed giving birth in the pandemic and scared to go to the doctor for another birth scare. I've also been put on bed rest, and I'm considering trying out home-based care for the duration of my pregnancy. Do you know what it is? I, I really do want babies and things like that, but I think I would be an absolute nightmare if I was pregnant. Also, it would just totally heighten my hypochondria. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wives, because a pregnant Lulu would be the theatrical farting storm. <laughs> We just won't be ready for. I can already imagine the countless Google searches, the gas, the many emotions. Oh, I can't deal. Anyway, there was a time when doctors would make house calls, but with the increase in population and decrease in health practitioners, house visits became a bit impossible. But with this pandemic, this has opened new opportunities for home-based care options because of its convenience. This week, I had a chat with Sister Sharon Rosiers from Relief Med, a home-based and palliative care company based in Cape Town. Now, Sister Rosiers started her nursing career in 1992 and has accumulated more than 30 years of experience in general nursing and has more than 10 years experience in pathology. Together with her business partner, Dr. Nabil Sima, Sister Rosiers is on a mission to bring some relief to Cape Town communities by providing basic medical services in the comfort of their own homes. My first question then to you would be, can you unpack what house calls are and how do those work? Because I know that you do those as a yes. nurse. 
Our schools is basically when we, the sisters or the doctor, go out to your home to give you treatment in the comfort of your own home. That's basically what it means. I imagine somebody who's like old and frail being given mm. this kind of care. So are the benefits of households only exclusive to the elderly? No, no, especially in this pandemic, what we found is, like for instance, this lady that was now in distress because she still has to give birth, they need to go for a follow-up appointment, either with the pathologist, for instance, if the baby has jaundice, to go the next day. Or if the baby didn't or gained any weight, they also need to go to the doctor. So what we was doing now in the pandemic is, especially for the new moms, we go out to their homes and then we will weigh the baby when the dad is also there or the grannies is also there. It just makes them feel more comfortable. And also all the questions that they are too scared to ask when they are in the doctor's rooms or, for instance, when you have to take bloods of the baby. Then you do it in the home. Mom is there. Dad is there. It's less stressful for everybody. Baby is at ease because he's in a sort of an environment that's safe for him. Then also, we just make everybody at ease and it just lessens the stress of everybody. And then also for people that, especially if your mom or your dad is bedridden, they don't need to be old. They don't need to be frail. It's just that maybe they bound in a wheelchair and you know how difficult it is. Some places don't have that access for the wheelchairs to go into the hospitals. Then all that they do, they just phone us. We go out to them. They don't need to stress about, you know what, I have to take off work now. I have to find someone now to take my mom or my dad to the hospital. So that is basically what house calls is, is to burden the, the stress on you. And strange, that's also how we came about the name of our company. Dr. Seema and myself, we set before we establish the organization because our company's name is Relief Med. He wanted to bring something in about medical because he's a medical doctor and I wanted to bring something in for my patients. So I said relief because relief to me means giving a bit of relief to my patients. So that's how we combine the name, yes. You know, has yeah. home-based care alternatives become, you know, more strengthened, especially in the pandemic? I think so. There's more people that's doing what I'm doing because there's a need out there for people to want the service. And you know how it feels when you go to the people, even if you just go out and do a blood pressure, how appreciative they are. They say, you know what, you will be blessed for what you do because they're scared to go out. They're scared to go to hospitals or to go to a doctor's rooms. But what I found is that what we are doing, it's like we don't have that support from the government for traveling nurses. We're struggling to get, for instance, now with the vaccine. For us, it's better that if we can get the vaccine and as we do the people at their homes, give the vaccine to them. But you know with the government, it's only certain vaccination stations that you can go to. 
So I felt that if they empowered us more, then our service would have more value to our clients than it is for us. So I think there is definitely a need and we are definitely going from strength to strength. We must just get a little bit of support, I feel, from the government to empower us more, if I can say it like that. Our friend, obviously, she seems very distressed about her blood pressure and the pregnancy. From a sister's perspective, how does stress affect your blood pressure? So basically, what I can tell her is she is, like I read her story now, that she is recently diagnosed with preeclampsia. And preeclampsia is when someone, especially a pregnant lady, when she had a normal blood pressure, and now she suddenly developed a high blood pressure in pregnancy. That is called preeclampsia. And preeclampsia is for her by right to be a bit distressed about that. Preeclampsia, the dangers of it, if I can say it like that, is that it puts a little bit more stress on the heart and then also on the kidneys. And then that can cause that she's got developed some heart or some kidney diseases. Um, and then the worst scenario is that she can maybe get a stroke from that. And she can go into early labor. So that we call premature birth. And that's also one of the dangers if you've got a high blood pressure in during your pregnancy. Or if she wanted to give normal birth. And then if she has preeclampsia, then the doctor might have to do C-section. But there is also ways how she can lower her blood pressure during pregnancy. And then what I would advise her to do, I'm sure um, Kaini also told her that, is that the salt intake in her food, she must try to lessen that. And then also she needs to stay hydrated. That's also one of the ways to bring her blood pressure down. And then obviously she needs to have a, a balanced diet that will consist of a lot of fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, a lot of fish, a lot of poultry. She needs to actually not have these processed food. Also, obviously, she's now, doctor said that she's bedridden now, but exercise is also a good way of getting your stress levels down. And then also regular prenatal checkups with a gynae, which I'm sure she's doing. And then the best advice also that you can give a pregnant lady that is that she mustn't smoke, she mustn't drink. I know it's a bit difficult to do that, but that's the ways how she can bring her, her blood pressure down. And obviously, if you have a good support system, your husband, if you already have children, and all of them support you in what you are doing, doing some exercises around the house, you can make it a fun project for everybody. If you do your, your cooking, include everybody in what you are eating, not so that the one eats hamburgers and chips, and you have to eat cooked food. That's a few ways how you can bring your blood pressure down to make your birth experience or your pregnancy fun for you, if I can say it like that. Uh, is it fun though? Oh, I don't imagine it being fun. I don't know. No, it is. It is. <laughs> for me, it was. Okay. Because why I did everything when I was pregnant. You know that, that cravings that you get my gynae said, you know what, if you crave for that, eat it. Because otherwise, you're just going to crave for it. Your mind is just going to be the whole time on that. 
So if you want to eat chocolates, don't think about your weight. Have a chocolate. And then you'll see after that, the craving will be gone. <laughs> Shame. What are the challenges that you are faced with as health practitioners who make use this kind of, of this method of home-based practice and stuff? The demand that I'm facing now is that the people that I'm doing in the community, the demand for especially doing COVID swaps now, because you know what? Everybody, even if you just have a cough, they think it's COVID. The demand is a bit high at the moment for the manpower that we've got. And you know what? That you can't just also ask anybody, please come and help me to do this, or you must have the experience, you must be trained in that. So that is one of the demands that I'm facing now. The other thing is the support from the government. That's the other thing. But like I said, the biggest thing for me is now that the public demand is getting too high according to the manpower that we've got at the moment. Is it just you and Dr. that works together? Dr. Seema. When I started this business last year, October 2020, it was just myself and Dr. Seema, but another colleague of mine that worked with me at the lab before I resigned, she's also working permanently for me. And then I've got three locum sisters that's also currently working for me because the demand is just getting too much for us, for one or two people to handle. Mm -hmm. And obviously now with South Africa, that's been taken off the red list of Britain, I suppose from next week on, for all the people that will be traveling in and out of South Africa, the demand will be even higher for that. But we already have a plan in action for that. Which kinds of communities do you guys work in? I work in all the communities, wherever people phone me to say, if it's now in the northern suburbs, in the southern suburbs, if you are staying in Kailicha or if you are staying in Franjuk, we go wherever the demand is. And then have you ever had any awkward incidents and stuff while you were visiting a patient or anything? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> there were few of that. If you go, for instance, this wasn't actually funny. This was actually a serious one. When one of my patients, she had to be admitted into hospital. But last year, both her husband and her two sons died of COVID. And she was to be admitted into hospital to go for a procedure. But no one could convince her to go. Not even the doctor, because you know you have to do a COVID test before you can go. And then I think it was two weeks before that I did her sister. And then she convinced her to, to ask me to come and do the test for her at home. I went to her home to do the test. And obviously I could see that she was very distressed. That was the only time it took me two hours to do a COVID test. Because while I sat with her, I had tea with her. She spoke about her husband, about her child. She spoke about her fears. And you know what? In this industry, you're not only a nurse, you're a social worker also. So after about two hours, she told me herself that she's ready for the test now. I did the test while I was talking to her. I did what I had to do. When I was done, I told her, okay, we're done with the test now. And she couldn't believe that I was done. Her spirit, her moral, it was so high after that. She went in for the uh, operation and she informed me every day. She sent me a WhatsApp. Hello, sister. This is what happened to me today. And 
for me, it was just, it was all the worthwhile. And then you get to people when you go to their houses to do the COVID testing, then you will see that, okay, the place that they live in, all the animals that's there, you now first have to sit and talk to each one. Because especially with the elderly people, each one have a name. So you need to say, hello, choo-choo, hello, um, Chico. And you need to talk to them and then they will tell the whole history. For me, it's very rewarding. Every patient, if you go to them, has a different story. Everybody has something else to offer you when you get there. And then obviously you go to Constantia. Then you ask if you can use the toilet and then you see in the toilet, oh, Casso is here in the toilet. <laughs> so it's also more of like a very therapeutic exchange stuff, man, for them. Yes, for them. And also for us, because you know what? Never in a million years did we think that our profession will take us on a vessel to do COVID testing there. And it's not like just you go on a vessel. It's like, the one boat takes you out an hour and a half into sea to go and do the COVID testing on all these Russian or Chinese ships. And you have to climb up that ship with a pilot leather. And it's like two stories high. Or you have to go down in a basket 12 o'clock at night to go and do the rapid testing on a vessel out at sea. So for us, that's very exciting. We never knew that our nursing career would take us there. How do you make it more comfortable for the both of you? It's like in the hospital also. If you go to your patient, or I, for instance, have a relationship with my client before I go to them, because we exchange emails, they phone me with all their concerns. So when I go to them on the day of their testing, it's like they already know me. They will say, hello, Sharon, how are you? It's like on a first name base, that's how comfortable we are. And if we get there, it's not like I go in, I do the job and I go out. They will offer you a cup of tea. They will talk to you because they've got a lot of questions that they're asking, especially the people that travel. They want to know, you know, what lab are you using? When will I get my results? Do they have the QR code on the travel certificate? What do I do if I don't get my results in time? All of those questions. So you will sit there and you will talk to them. You will sort of answer all the questions for them. And then only after that, you will do your forms. You will do your swap because what I usually do, I do all my forms before I go to my client. So that when I get there, there's not for them to just fill in all the paperwork and do all of it. They just need to check if everything is correct. So I make it as smooth as possible and as painless as possible for my client. And then I also give them the option where they want me to do the test. Will it be a nose swab? Will it be a throat swab? Which one is more comfortable for them? I just don't go in there and say, okay, I'm going to shove this down your nose and this is now what's going to happen. No, I don't do that. I always ask them. I always tell them, you know what? In life, there's always options. So you tell me what you want. How do you manage to keep safe from doing all these COVID tests and stuff in the field? How do you keep you and your family safe? We obviously have all the PPE, the um, protective clothing that we've got on before we go into a client's home. 
Yeah, Once a month, we do um, a rapid test on ourselves just to see that we don't have any COVID, even though we don't have any symptoms. We still do it monthly. And then also washing your hands. We discard all our clothing before we come into our homes. Wash our clothes separately. All the things that we were doing in the hospital. We do it at home. And then also for my family, if they even have a sneeze, I test them. Because <laughs> you've got the test. Stuff. Yeah, I've got everything here. <laughs> so you're ready. <laughs> I am ready. We're ready for everything. And do you know what? My colleague and myself, we both had COVID when we were still working in the hospital. And we tested our um, families. And not my husband or my son ever had COVID with my colleague. It's just her and her husband that's in the house. She had COVID. He's a cancer patient. He never had COVID. So that tells me that we are actually very, very cautious. Mm, and careful and stuff. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Sister Sharon Rosiers. Remember to check out the detailed article on home-based care on healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. Or you can send us an SOS to 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. We will never blue tick you, babes. This week, I am absolutely just struck by the wholesomeness of nurses. What's the take home for you this week, Sine? I'm in awe of how many nurses ask for the bare minimum and are still treated like an afterthought. Although the mouth, eyes and ears of the vulnerable and the defenseless nurses struggle with dangerous understaffing, equipment and medicine shortages, the sooner we just give nurses the respect they deserve, the better. Nurses truly are the gems of medicine. That brings us to the end of episode 13 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health Home Zanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani. And me, Sinesi Potom. Have a great week and remember to show some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. <laughs>